0: Hello everyone, this is Rachel with Things We Wear, and today we're going to talk about what pattern making for cut and sew knits is, what are the challenges, and maybe just what are cut and sew knits. (laughs) If you're new to pattern making and the whole world of fashion, then you might not know what cut and sew knits are. I certainly didn't prior to um, joining the fashion industry, so you might be new to it. So yeah, let's start there. What is a cut and sew knit? So when we think about the various types of fabrics that we might work with as a home sewer in the industry, even home shopping, um, we are there's a few different ways we can create material that becomes our clothing. Uh, so there's woven fabrics, and woven fabrics are exactly what you think—they're just woven together, like your bed sheets, those button-up shirts in your closet, suiting materials. Those are all woven fabrics, um, and then Knits, they're kind of like two different categories. So the header is knits, and knits started out as being sweater knits. So we all know sweaters from our closets, right? They're knitted together Um, often in the beginning, you know, with just one yarn. But now, you know, you'll see lots of intricate patterns or interesting stitches. Um, But that is a knit. And what's very characteristic about a knit sweater is that they don't actually have seam lines. If you look at them, they are, it's called linked together. It's basically like uh, knitted together where an armhole might be Um, They don't have traditional seam lines the way a pair of denim jeans has a seam on the inseam and the outseam and where the pocket is a sweater isn't going to have all those things Usually it's it's pretty sewing machine free. You know when you knit you're just knitting. You're not usually also sewing but that's where cut and sew knits come in because cut and sew knits are knits first we knit the material into very wide pieces of fabric like 60 inches wide just like a woven fabric and then we're going to cut it out and sew it back together to create a garment so an example of this might be a t-shirt a sweatshirt sweatpants lots of uh, athleisure um, yoga pants are our knits um, there's a lot more knits more and more in the everyday clothes that we wear i think as we are becoming more casual in the way we dress every day we are moving more into that world of knitwear and less into the world of woven clothing although i do love wovens um i think the expectations are different from those two fabrications too Uh, wovens you'll often see more intricate construction and a lot of um, additional materials so you might have lining you might have interfacing you might have boning you know you might have all these different things that come together lots of buttons and pleats and darts but with a knit, often they use the drape of the fabric to create interesting cowl necks or drapes around the body, wrap dresses, um, and for knits, you're often not having as many seams. It's usually a little bit more simple in construction, and there's a reason for that, because knits are actually very difficult to sew um, there, and <laughs> we'll talk about that soon, but um, knits stretch and grow a lot, and so their best attribute is also their worst attribute because while they are very comfortable to wear and can be wonderful you know we all feel so cozy in our sweatpants, um, they can also be really difficult to sew and handle and deal with in a production level or even at home um, for home sewing they can be really unpredictable and unstable and uh, can cause quite a headache and lots of things to worry about <laughs> so that is what a cut and sew knit is and if you look really closely, if you grab a t-shirt from your closet and you, you pull on it both directions, you'll see that it looks like a tiny sweater. You'll see the little knit yarns and it's just like a tiny sweater. And sometimes you'll see t-shirts that have a bigger a yarn to them. It looks like a bigger sweater, but usually that that sweater knit is very tiny on a t-shirt on a cut and sew knit, whereas on a sweater, it's, it's much, much bigger. Um, So let's talk about challenges to being a cut-and-sew pattern maker. Um, (laughs) So there's a lot of challenges, and they all kind of originate from the fact that cut-and-sew fabric is pretty unstable. So um, it's knit together, and what that means is that when it's knit together, it can have varying tension throughout the fabric, and that might make the fabric more dense or more loose. And it's really difficult to do that super evenly across the board. So it's common that you'll have fabric that um, might not be super consistent all the way through and often that's a result of less high quality fabric so if you're buying cheaper cut and sew knit fabric you're probably going to have more of these issues than if you buy high quality fabric but it's not to say that you can eliminate all issues with high quality fabric Um, so because it's stretchy and because it stretches in both directions and has that natural Um, The good part, which is it grows, that's also volatile, right? So when you cut that fabric, um, you're squeezing it together with the scissors. It may bounce back, so it might actually end up being smaller than your paper pattern. Now that's just with one sample. Imagine if you were cutting production, which might be anywhere between 10 and 60 plies, Um, you're gonna have that many plies of fabric being squished down and cut you're gonna have a lot of bounce back and that's why in production you often see more shrinkage um, or they call it shrinkage but what it really is is bounce back in cutting Often it happens in both directions, but i found that it can be more dramatic in the lengthwise direction. I'm not exactly sure. I think it depends on the fabrication and the knit, you know, and of course there's usually more fabric in the length than there is in the width, so it's just more noticeable too. Um, So (laughs) we've cut the garment and it's already bounced back, right? So we've already lost some fabric. Now we're gonna go sew it. So here's another thing. The fabric is very stretchy. So when it's being sewn, it will grow. And those pattern shapes that you spend so much time making really perfect with your hip curve and your French curve, um, those are gonna get splayed. So as pe- as it gets sewn along those curves, it will splay outwards and get stretched out. If the knit that you're working with does not have an elastine in it, it won't have good bounce back. So, I'm sorry, I'm using the word bounce back a lot <laughs> but um but it is if you don't have that elastin the elastin holds it in place it might grow but it'll come back but if you have a knit that is 100 percent cotton or 100 percent linen or an all-natural blend um, that doesn't include elastin um, it's not going to have that recovery uh, so it'll just kind of like bag out but it won't come back and you'll see that with let's say you have a pair of knit pants um, and you wear them you might get bagged out knees or bagged out elbows and a long sleeve shirt so you, you can relate to what we're saying here so this will happen in sewing if you have a fabric that doesn't have elastine um, elastine is a little bit complicated um, it's technically a, not the most sustainable thing to put in your fabrics but it is also something that really helps create a garment that is uh, stable and um, will last for a while okay and just to clarify when I say last for a while I mean um, that the elastine will make it actually elastine is very well that's a difficult thing to say so elastine is um, very delicate and it actually can make the fabric not last as long so I don't want to lead anyone astray there Um, if you don't take very good care of any fabrications that have elastine in it um, they can degrade more quickly than your regular maybe non-elastined knits Um, and part of that is because elastine is very sensitive to heat so if you put it in the dryer it's gonna break those elastine fibers and um, you're gonna see it start to get kind of like fuzzy almost and that's those elastine fibers breaking off Um, that's why if you read the labels on your yoga pants and uh, your underwear and all these things they'll often say to hang to dry and that's why because it will last a lot longer for you if you hang your knit garments, particularly your elastine knit garments, to dry. So, <laughs> all right, back to pattern making for cut and sew knits. Um, so, the garment's going to grow in sewing, um, so shapes will be a little funky because you kind of have to accommodate that growing. Um, another challenge uh, the garment may shrink with the application of things of heat, like steam or iron or even the dryer. So you might notice when you have a t-shirt you bought somewhere and you wash it, you put in the dryer, it shrinks up and that's because of those fibers that um, create the t-shirt. So you have cotton fibers, let's say it's 100% cotton. It's cotton fibers uh, uh, spun together and turned into a yarn, which is then knitted into a t-shirt fabric and then that's cut and sewn together. that of course is is knitted at a certain tension, but as we know, cotton has a natural curl to it. It has a natural texture, and so when you put it in the dryer, it's sort of that texture can be more pronounced, um, and that will cause it that fiber to sort of pull back, and that will cause the whole um, the whole garment to shrink up. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. Um, And uh, lastly, another, well, this is not all the complications, but these are the big ones. The last thing is the garment may shrink or grow further with things like washing, like I just said, but there are also garment washes um, that might be applied to the garment prior to selling it in a store and also garment dyeing. So one thing that is often done to cut and sew knit garments is they are garment dyed. So you may be... Uh, don't know much about dyeing or maybe you do, um, garment dyeing means that you're gonna cut and sew the garment first and then you're gonna dye it. And so what happens when you dye a garment after it's been cut and sewn together is you get those interesting little uh, folds of um, of color. Uh, you'll see it like sometimes um, I'm trying to think of a good example of this you'll see garment dyed gar- garments sometimes they're advertised in different ways but you'll notice it because you'll see if you like open up a seam you'll see like a little it's a little bit lighter there because the, the dye didn't go all the way into the crevices it looks sort of antique and also very cool um, I love a garment dyed I love garment dye. I think it looks so beautiful, but at the same time, it's um, very difficult. It's very difficult to estimate how much a garment is going to shrink or grow. And of course, this is the last step of the process, so imagine how hard it is for garment manufacturers to do garment dyeing because they are under contract to make garments that measure a certain measurement, and then those brands who are buying those garments from them if they don't measure that measurement it the brands can say sorry we're not taking these and suddenly they're stuck with a bunch of t-shirts that they just dumped thousands and thousands of dollars into so uh garment dyeing is very tricky and um some i know some manufacturers won't even do it because they're i think they've been kind of um left holding (laughs) you know they've been they've been stuck with a bunch of t-shirts that that the brand didn't want which i think is pretty unfair and, and well represents the fashion industry today which is very pushy and very demanding and sometimes i think we lose sight of the fact that like you know just because the t-shirt let's say you have a bunch of t-shirts and the size smalls now fit like an extra small well who cares like just relabel it (laughs) you know what i mean sometimes i think we get so caught up in process and measurements and doing things a certain way that we sort of lose sight of the purpose of it all um, and also the extreme waste and poor business moves. I think the point of pushing back on a, on a vendor on a factory and saying like, hey, we're not going to accept anything less than the best, of course, I mean, it's, it's great to um, hold everyone on your team and outside of your team to high standards, but on the flip side, you also need to be aware that you're asking people to do something with a fabrication that is highly volatile um, volatile, and to do something like garment dyeing and washing which is also highly volatile those are really hard things to control and um, your factory they may not even tell you how difficult it is <laughs> so um, please be kind to your factories that you work with please be kind to your vendors Um, it is a hard job making clothing and it is not always done in a nice environment. So, you know, be kind. Um, all right. So what does this mean for a cut and sew pattern maker? Um, so I think as a cut and sew pattern maker, you have to get used to this idea that the traditional quote unquote rules maybe don't apply anymore because when we learn pattern making from the beginning, we're often learning pattern drafting, which is very, um, ratio based it's really like oh your hip to you know you need this type of shape you need your front armhole to be three-eighths smaller than your back armhole and you need you know the the distance between your front shoulder slope and your back shoulder slope all of these things that are written in pattern making books about how to draft patterns those are geared towards woven fabrics because woven fabrics are not going to change significantly in sewing they might splay a little bit along curves such as the armhole or the uh, rises but other than that there's not a lot of um, instability in a woven fabric maybe in a very very light uh, silk, and also of course in denim, where it is washed and dyed, those are kind of a different category. But even denim can be a bit more predictable than a knit because, uh, at the very basis, um, you do have s- the fabric is inherently a bit more stable than a knit. So, um, so I think you have to kind of let go of those rules you have to let go of the fact that the pattern might in some places be bigger than the requested spec and in other places be smaller than it because in some places like the armhole it might grow an inch but in other places like the bust it's going to shrink a half an inch so you have to be okay with with that difference and what you need to start to do is to remember what those things are you also have to be okay with shapes not being what you're used to you know we're, we're all used to those beautiful French curves and this nice perfect scooped armhole and in a knit you just can't do that you need to react to what the garment actually looks like um, you can't just say this is what an armhole should look like and go from there you need to be fabric specific and I think even further than this every type of knit there is not one pattern that is going to yield a perfect fitting knit or perfectly balanced knit garment because every knit garment is going to react differently to a pattern and there is no one size fits all for that so when it comes to being a pattern maker for cut and sew knits I actually find that blocks are not as handy as I think people think they are (laughs) they're a great starting point it's great as a brand or personally to know hey this block really fit me well in this one fabrication let's start from here and but you also need to be aware that um, if you're changing fabric significantly especially if it's uh, you know even from maybe similar knits but really you know uh, one pattern used across the board on different knits it's really going to yield very different results particularly because of the shrinking and the growing um, that happens in cutting and sewing so you're really i find the best way to work with cut and sew knits is to have blocks that are specific for fabrications or fabrication groups like midweight jerseys you know or um, and it would be specific to jerseys who have three to 4% elastine or something as compared to 100% cotton jerseys, which are going to react pretty differently than the ones that have elastine in them. So you see how complicated this can get. Um, but I find that yields much better results than trying to start every time from a block and then adjusting to, um, to that particular fabrication. It's better if you can start from something that worked in that fabrication and then adjust from there. That's just my personal opinion. Um, Another thing, as I started to mention, you have to keep track of the average shrinking and growth so that you can apply these averages to future patterns. So if you have a fabric, let's say you're working with this uh, stretchy gummy fabric that has some elastin in it uh, you know some poly some cotton um get to know that fabric well if you think you're going to use it again and again then understand where it's shrinking and where it's growing is it shrinking in the length you know on each sample it might be different you might have one sample that shrinks two percent and another one that shrinks six percent but that's the whole point of seeing a lot of samples of testing it out and seeing okay where's the midline here and if you are seeing that difference between 2 and 6%, then probably when you go into production or you cut it in your final fabric, do 4% because at least at 4%, maybe you'll be slightly short, maybe you'll be slightly long, but you'll probably be pretty close and in the sweet spot. The same goes for armholes. Um, some fabrications I find the armhole grows an inch. Sometimes it grows creates so so keep track of that get an idea of what the typical growth is too and then that way every time you start a new pattern in that fabrication you can bring in those findings and then adjust based on that so that'll be really helpful to you um yeah I, i think so another example of i think i didn't go into as much depth as i wanted to talking about the keeping track of shrinking and growth another thing to think about is stitch lines so anytime you're gonna stitch something there's gonna be growing and or shrinking (laughs) so it might grow at first but then when it goes if it's garment dyed or wash it might shrink and that stitch line might hold so these are also things to keep in mind Um, necklines are gonna be really difficult to predict as well Um, it depends on the machinery that you use, the type of finishing, is it a banding, a binding, a facing, a collar? Um, All of these things are gonna affect the neckline differently. So, again, keep track of what type of neck you're using and what the difference is. Um, You know, maybe your pattern needs to be a half inch less than the spec because then it'll grow a half inch and be perfect (laughs) on your sample, but maybe it's gonna shrink. So, keep track of that and then you'll get closer to better results Um, the more you become familiar with that fabric and also how it reacts to various different constructions. Um, And then lastly, one thing to keep in mind, knit fabric shrinkage and tension can vary within a roll of fabric. So one thing I find I've seen with some pattern makers who do not work with knits a lot is they seem very frustrated when they get one sample back and it's half inch long and a quarter inch wide in the neck and then they get another sample back and for some reason it's now a half inch short and a quarter inch small in the neck. Um, Knit fabrics are volatile there's not a lot we can do about that as I said higher quality fabrics are going to be better because they're going to be more consistent in the tension that's held in that knit across the board and also with their finishing techniques when they finish the fabric it's usually a high heat technique that will kind of set the fabric um, and try to keep it uh, keep it you know more stable um, although of course that could vary bearing <laughs> based on the fabricate or the fibers involved because you don't want to use high heat with the lasting. so you know it's whole thing but um, the higher quality fabrics are going to be better treated they're going to be um, more carefully manufactured so those are all good things Um, and you're going to have better results with higher quality fabric but even with the best fabric you're going to have volatility and you're going to have you know one sample that comes in small and one that comes in large and you just kind of have to take all of that data and make educated guesses that's actually what i think the truth the true hard part about being a knits pattern maker is what you're really doing is making lots of tiny educated guesses (laughs) like I'm gonna bet this armhole is gonna grow 3 quarters of an inch in production and this hemline is gonna grow a half an inch in production but the bust is gonna shrink a half an inch and you just kind of have to know that Um, there's also some differences that you might see between how a sample room sewer who's usually very highly skilled and on the floor in production how that sewing goes because in production they're going to be moving fast you know there's it's not going to be quite as careful whereas the sample room um, sewers they're going to be very detail oriented and highly skilled and they've probably been sewing for decades upon decades Um, and so their ability to make a garment is going to be way 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 high and so you have to assume that what they're giving you is probably going to be best-case scenario, but in production, you're probably going to have more stretch-out seams, you're going to have more issues that you probably don't have on a sample basis. So you do also have to think globally and kind of hedge your bets against that and, say, and see trouble spots, listen to your the person who's making your samples, whether you're working with a, a factory here in the United States or you have a sample room or you're working from a vendor overseas, ask lots of questions. Ask them what's challenging, what they have struggled with, and then that way you can better understand um, how to solve that issue or how to foresee when there might be an issue. <laughs> because any issue you have in a sample, just multiply that times a hundred or a thousand, and that's, that's going to be that issue in production. Uh, so you do have to kind of like zoom out and see into the future a little bit. <laughs> so that I think is my brief explanation of what pattern making for cut and sew knits is or as much as I can tell you I think over a podcast although I'd be happy to go into more specific details if any of you are interested um you know to tell you a little bit more about myself I primarily worked with cut and sew knits in in the United States so that's kind of where I specialize is uh United States made apparel and a lot of apparel made in the United States is cut and sew knits although we do make wovens um there's a lot of a lot of demand for cut and sew knits, especially these days now that we're wearing sweatpants so it is a very hot market right now um and i uh, yeah if any of you out there are interested in cut and sew or interested in usa made apparel i'd love to talk about that more i'm very passionate about uh, usa made apparel especially as more and more um, evidence comes out about i mean there are issues in every country and it's hard to ensure that Um, That every working condition is safe and equitable um, and fairly waged. But I will say, when you make things in the United States, you can see the people who are making your clothes. You know who's making your clothes. When you make things overseas, um, it is a lot more difficult to keep on top of where your fabric is coming from, um, who is picking your cotton, for instance, which has been a huge issue in China um, because it came out last summer that um, there has been forced labor involved in picking cotton in China. And um, and we're still, it's now a year and a half later, trying to figure out how to get that out of our supply system or supply chain. Um, you know, a lot of brands when you work in manufacturing it is a huge wide web of the fiber the spinning the finishing the yarn the the weaving um, the fabric mills into manufacturing and there's a lot of outsourcing and you know it's a messy business and so it can be very difficult to ensure that the things that you work on the things that you buy um, are made in a way that uh, reflect your values and honest and reflect you know good human, ethical values um, and eco-friendly values so um, this is why I love made in the United States clothing I do think you can make things other places and make them in a good way I'm not saying that you can't but I do like the transparency that's inherent when you mill when you use a fabric mill that's in the United States when you use um, a factory that's in the United States and one other piece of that too is that the U.S. has more strict laws about pollution and uh, human rights and human labor than many other countries that we typically outsource from, so uh, or import from, um, like let's say you know anywhere in South Asia or um, where a lot of our clothing in the United States comes from, um, the laws in the United States are, are more strict than many of those places. Not across the board, but but many of those places it's more strict. So that means that we have stricter rules about dye processes and how much you can pollute uh, our um, our water systems with uh, dye runoff um, and also yeah, the treatment of of people in factories so I do think you know when you buy something that's been um, picked in the U.S. that's been milled in the U.S. that you know that's been totally created in the U.S. um, you are also sort of participating in the fact that we adhere to certain rules that other countries don't always adhere to um, that have less strict laws about pollution and even though you know sure it's across the world from us but the pollution still affects us you know it's not like it's not happening (laughs) so I think it's pretty silly to me if we have rules that say that we we don't want certain fabrications made here because they're polluting then I don't think we should buy any of those fabrications from other places because you know we all share this earth whether we're farther away from those places or not um, ultimately you know, the pollution affects us all. So I think we should kind of be in it as one team. That's my opinion. But, (laughs) um, but anyway, if you have any questions or thoughts, I'd love to hear from all of you. And, um, thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you to, uh, see you hear you in my um next episode and if you'd like to check it out i just created a video that is similar to this one about pattern making for cut and sew knits where i talk a little bit more specifically about those differences um and i also have a patreon if you'd like to help support me and um, get access to ad free content and ask me questions and so on all right thanks so much bye